touch that dial. Stay tuned for Occupied Territory America, hosted by Mike Fader. And this is Occupied Territory America with Mike Fed. Can we get it a little higher on the, uh, just a touch higher? That's good right there. Okay, we're perfect. Everything is perfect down here now. So um, we're on Occupied Territory America. I know we have some new listeners all the time. Uh, since I mentioned it on Sirius XM and various other places where I um, frequent on the net and others, uh, other areas. So uh, welcome to the new listeners. We're on every... Thursday here at prn.fm, your home for health and politics programming, and we have some good music programming and other programming as well. So you should check out our uh, programs and our hosts. And uh, I'm here every Tuesday, every Thursday, pardon me, every Thursday at uh, 2 p.m., every Thursday at 2 p.m. with Occupied Territory America. And you can go on to prn.fm to check out what we're all about, but it's a political show. And I suppose you could call it a radical political show, but I don't see it that way at all. It just is pure common sense, given the conditions we live in. So we have that, and then I have another show on this station where I talk about everything, uh, tell stories about my life, talk about cultural things, sometimes more political stuff, but generally books I've read, uh, growing up, raising kids, uh, you know, pop culture, everything. And this is uh, on Mondays at 4 p.m., and it's called The Turning Point. If you also, if you want to find out more information about what I do, books I've written, go to my website. It's FaderFiles, F-E-D-E-R-F-I-L-E-S.com, FaderFiles.com, F-E-D-E-R-F-I-L-E-S.com. And uh, also that's a way to contact me. You don't have to contact me through Facebook. However, if you are on Facebook you can go to our uh, political blog, which is called Occupied Territory, uh, and just Google Facebook and Occupied Territory. will take you right there. And um, I post something new usually every day or every other day on there, and there's constant responses. Obviously, the news of the day is, or as of yesterday, but the news is that uh, Manning, Bradley Manning, was sentenced to 35 years in prison. And I'm sure everybody who's listening has been following this. <clears throat> Bradley Manning, and I'm going to read some of this. I know reading can be boring, but let's see if I can get through it without uh, boring you. A military judge at Fort Meade in Maryland sentenced uh, Private Bradley Manning to 35 years in prison, and he was convicted of 20 offenses, including multiple violations of the Espionage Act, uh, which says that you intend to... Um, uh, you know, violate uh, the laws of the country, steal secrets, uh, and interfere with the um, with the uh, the right behavior of the United States government as determined by Congress and the president, and also that you are that you are cooperating with, or intending to, or willfully meaning to give uh, information that could be damaging to the United States, especially in wartime. 
uh, and in any military way to an enemy. So he was convicted of the uh, Espionage Act and embezzlement of government property uh, offense, uh, you know, stealing documents and leaking them. He was convicted of wrongfully and wantonly causing publication of intelligence belonging to the United States on the Internet, knowing, here we go, knowing the intelligence uh, that would be accessible to the enemy to the prejudice of the good order and discipline in the armed forces. And, and we have plenty of that, don't we? <laughs> Sergeant Robert Bales of the United States Army is even now on trial. Actually, he's not on trial. He pled, pled guilty to killing 16 innocent civilians in our brave uh, wars overseas recently. I was in Afghanistan, was it, or Iraq? I think it was in Afghanistan. And he kicked in the doors of these places and murdered everybody, 16 people that he found, including children. And uh, now they're uh, begging for um, for uh, something less than a life sentence for this uh, insane, psychopathic um, murderer. But... Um, Anyhow, so Bradley uh, Manning, uh, he uh, let's see, uh, the, he released information ex- made accessible to the enemy to the prejudice of the good order and discipline in the armed forces, where everybody is committing suicide and shooting people in their family and having nervous breakdowns and PTSD and taking drugs, or of a nature to bring discredit upon the armed forces. Now that see, I guess I'm, I shouldn't keep interrupting and saying those things. Bradley Manning uh, is being convicted of bringing discredit on the armed forces of the United States. Nobody could bring more discredit on the armed forces of the United States than the armed forces of the United States has done already and continues to do every day all over the world. We have used our armed forces, and I'm including in this the CIA, which is now sort of basically an armed force, to overthrow democratically elected governments, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to assassinate democratically elected leaders in various countries. We have used special ops teams to assassinate people that we feel are threats to our, um, not just to, to our government, but to our corporate, uh, you know, our corporate entities, which are essentially are our government. We have uh, invaded a country, Iraq, where there was no threat to the United States or to any other country at all. We just invaded that country and occupied it. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of American soldiers were uh, killed there. Uh, and tens of thousands came back mentally damaged, almost beyond repair, or amputees, or unable to see, or whatever else. And maybe a million Iraqis, out of a country where there's only 26 million people, a million Iraqis were killed or wounded or otherwise displaced, and another million or two million of them are almost permanent refugees in other countries. So we destroyed an entire country and killed hundreds of thousands of people, a lot of them perfectly innocent, for no reason except that a bunch of people like um, Dick Cheney and George Bush and Condoleezza Rice and uh, whoever else was, you know, uh, you know, decided that we needed to invade the place. Also, obviously, it has something to do with oil, and uh, the Bushes are heavily involved with the Saudis and oil, and they needed more oil. Uh, Iraq producing the second largest amount of oil at the time of the invasion next to Saudi Arabia in the world. So this invasion was done um, based on lies, deliberate lies to the United Nations and to the American people. Dick Cheney, who was vice president at the time and actually the president, and his pet goat was nominally the president, but Dick Cheney was the president. He went to the CIA when he asked for information from the CIA um, telling, uh, telling the administration, officially, a report telling the administration that Saddam Hussein, 
um, was stockpiling and planning to use weapons of mass destruction. The CIA gave him a report that he was not satisfied with. It wasn't good enough to convince uh, other people he needed to convince, or later on perhaps the American public, or to get uh, Colin Powell to lie to the UN for him. It wasn't enough to convince them of that. So he personally, the vice president of the United States, who everybody understood was the president, went over to the CIA, personally went over to the CIA, and made it very clear to them that they needed to have a better report for him so that he could use that to convince people to go to war in Iraq. And they did come up with what he wanted, and why wouldn't they? They'd all be fired or they'd be in a lot of trouble if they didn't. Gave him what he wanted, uh, shaped the report so that it looked like uh, uh, Saddam Hussein was getting ready to invade the whole world and release poison gas on people and send missiles everywhere when he didn't even have any and he wasn't intending to do it, and invaded Iraq. And... Uh, destroyed the United States economy, trillions of dollars, uh, some of it accounted for, a lot of it unaccounted for, uh, pouring out of the Treasury. We had to borrow money from the Chinese to kill the Iraqis. And uh, it's one of the main reasons why this country is broke now, why schools in Philadelphia can't even hire enough teachers to keep the schools open. They don't have security officers. They don't have um, nurses. They don't have clerks in their in their schools. They have to borrow money from parents in Philadelphia, poor parents, to run their school system. States are going bankrupt. Cities are going bankrupt. But all of this was based partially on this gigantic war that was declared by Cheney based on a lie that he knew was a lie. I won't even go into 9-11. So here we are, right? Um and this is this is what this is the this is the kind of uh, armed forces that we have. Uh, Bradley Manning, uh, a kid, right, who saw outrageous behavior, criminal behavior by the United States Army. I don't know how many of you have seen the first thing he released. The first document that he released to WikiLeaks was by now a famous, and you should revisit it to see exactly what he released and and, and you know why he released it. It was, um, it was a video and audio uh, taken from the nose of an attack helicopter, U.S. attack helicopter in Iraq, where they basically murdered some people uh, because they decided that, and these were Reuters reporters, some of them had long cameras, and they were itching, these, these kids who thought they were playing a video game. Many of the people in the armed forces in combat these days overseas are about 19 or 21, and they're not really actually aware of the fact that they're in Afghanistan. Uh, nor were they aware of the fact that they were in Iraq. They thought they were actually home in Georgia or Moose Anus, Alaska, or wherever these people come from, playing a video game, you know, Death 300 or Seal Team 12, Kill the Brown People, or whatever the new video game is. That's what they thought they were doing. But no, they were actually in a real country killing real people, but they didn't really know that. This is our armed forces, where people urinate on the corpses of people that uh, that they kill where uh, an attack helicopter uh, has a camera and audio recorded, you know, which they frequently did back then. I'm sure they don't now. And they uh, found some people, and they were looking for somebody to kill. They wanted to press uh, the trigger, you know. They wanted to press the trigger, and they wanted to use their um, machine guns on somebody, or else what would be the fun of it, of being at war? They wouldn't rack up any points uh, and, uh, you know, beat somebody else in their video game. So they see a, a car or a truck driving, and they get permission finally to go ahead and shoot these people. They shoot them. Another uh, van or truck pulls up, a small car pulls up, 
and uh, people get out and try to help the people who were shot, and they shoot them too. Outrageous criminal behavior. Criminal behavior. Murder. You know, a premeditated, deliberate, uh, brutal murder of innocent civilians. And then when people go to help the wounded, they shoot them too. Um, and these people uh, did this. Bradley Manning uh, got a hold of this and released it to the world to show people what was going on in Iraq. And he saw what was going on in Iraq. He was a computer expert who worked not so far away from the uh, from the front lines there. And when there were search and destroy missions that were sent out in uh, various places in Iraq, you know, in various cities and towns, he was there as backup, computer backup, to tell people, to give them intelligence uh, on what they might encounter, what they would do. And he became aware of the fact that they were just killing people. They were shooting unarmed civilians. They were murdering people and blowing up buildings and paying no attention to any of the uh, the laws or the rules of uh, of common decency or warfare as agreed in international uh, agreements. So he released this information. Yeah, he had other reasons. to really, He was confused, too. Didn't know about his gender identity. Uh, but he was legitimately concerned that Americans were committing war crimes. And um, at that time, a lot of people understood very well, because it was already being written about, that the whole war was a war crime. It was based on a lie. People like Dick Cheney and Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice and George Bush and uh, Donald Rumsfeld, those people should be spending life in prison with no parole. Forget about 35 years. Life in prison with no parole. They are responsible for creating uh, an entire war where hundreds of thousands of people, a lot of them innocent people, have been murdered and American soldiers have died. whole generation of people has uh, had their brains perma almost permanently damaged by this. Uh, and, um, of course, nothing has ever changed over there for the better. It didn't do anybody any good. And it was all based on a lie. So these people who should be in jail for the rest of their lives for uh, creating a war out of nothing for mass murder are walking around and they are making – George Bush gets paid $100,000 every time he makes a speech somewhere. The idea of George Bush making a speech is amusing all by itself, but he gets $100,000 to go someplace and make a speech. Colin Powell gets $75,000 every time he makes a speech. Colin Powell is rich, sits on the boards of uh, directors of various corporations. George Bush has millions and millions of dollars. Dick Cheney has millions and millions of dollars. He goes all over the place and makes speeches and writes books and tell people tells people um, – what's right and wrong everywhere, right? All of these people who are war criminals who should be rotting away in jail, in isolation somewhere, or chopping rocks, or mowing grass, or making license plates, or whatever they do in prison these days, um, are walking around free, um, influencing politics and uh, getting rich and thriving. But Bradley Manning, who reveals war crimes, is being sent to jail for, uh, for 35 years. And uh, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of CIA operatives who went all over the world for many, many years and probably still do. Obama says no, but he's just a plain liar. He's nothing but a bullshit liar. Uh, CIA people all over the world uh, capturing people off the streets, uh, sometimes in the streets uh, you know, of big cities of our allies uh, or theoretical allies, like in Italy, there are several CIA operatives who are indicted uh, for murder, uh, but the ex U.S. won't extradite these people to Italy to be tried for murder because they kidnapped people off the streets of Rome, I think it was, 
and uh, renditioned them off to Egypt or someplace else where they were tortured. CIA operatives all over the world capturing people illegally, some of them U.S. citizens, off the streets uh, illegally, violating every law in every country, torturing people in various prisons or delivering to other places where they are tortured and killed, not to mention Guantanamo, where, which is totally illegal. Everything that goes on down there is completely illegal. The whole place is illegal. So this United States Army, which the world is afraid of, which the world has uh, contempt for, uh, even though they are afraid of them, which has gone all over the world, and as we speak, or as I speak, is even now uh, operating bases, a lot of them secret, in over 140 different locations in something like 100 different countries, which consistently uh, sends troops over, without the knowledge even of Congress, who's supposed to oversee this and pay for it, to various countries and for special ops. Even now, the United States military and CIA, same thing, sends drones over various places to blow up people that they think that they think are terrorists. And they frequently kill whole wedding parties, funeral parties. They kill teenagers. They kill babies. They kill men, women, and children who are totally innocent. So this United States Army uh, is, is, it has been had shame brought on it. Discredit has been brought on the armed forces by Bradley Manning. How could anybody bring discredit on this United States armed force at this time in the world. It's impossible because they are so shameful, no more discredit could be brought on. What he did actually was attempt to turn things around. So in a, in a way, which is sort of ironic, he was trying to reestablish the credit of the United States Army by revealing its crimes and getting them to stop. Was he... Um, foolish? Was he confused? Did he do far more than he should have? I think he did. I think he did. He released something like 700,000 documents. It turns out that a great bulk of them were State Department documents. He didn't go through them. Like a lot, when, when they released the Pentagon Papers, uh, the New York Times reporters and Ellsberg and some other people they brought in, a couple of lawyers, uh, rented a couple of hotel rooms and painstakingly for months went through every single one of these papers and all of these documents and picked out and picked out the ones that referred directly to the Vietnam War and directly to what Ellsberg said were violations of U.S. policy and, uh, you know, other things that they were doing. They ignored a whole lot of other stuff and didn't publish it because they said it wasn't germane and might do some harm. Bradley Manning just got a hold of everything he could get a hold of and just released all of it, just released the whole thing. So I don't know, but they never did prove at his trial, and they had every opportunity to, and the court leaned over backwards to give the prosecution every opportunity. They, they, they ignored almost every objection and every issue and every motion raised by the defense. They ignored it or overruled it. It was completely uh, a prosecutor's trial, right? Not, not to mention which, before Bradley Manning even went to trial, the president of the United States said he was guilty. The commander-in-chief of the armed forces, of which Bradley Manning was and is a member, uh, who is going to go on trial, right, who has been indicted and is going to go on trial in a military court, has already been uh, said to be guilty by the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. You tell me if he had a fair trial. So... You know, Manning released all this stuff, and throughout this whole trial, one of the things that the prosecution had to prove was that w any single one of the documents that he released, he released all kinds of State Department internal memos and memos back and forth between uh, uh, various other people in various countries where they operate, and he released 
uh, I don't know what it was, like 100,000 after-action reports in Afghanistan, and I think in Iraq. After-action reports. What does that mean? That means that there was this, you know, a truck drove out, encountered no enemy activity, and drove back to the base. Or a patrol went out, and some people took a few shots at them, or, um, you know, and they returned fire and probably killed a few more children. And then they went back to base. In other words, uh, tens of thousands of times, the simplest little military maneuver were recorded, and they're called after-action reports, whatever it was. They drove outside the base. They took a walk outside the base. They come back, have to file a report. He released something like 100,000 after-action reports. Nothing could possibly come of that because nothing secret was revealed. And it had already happened, and that was that. So there was nothing harmful there. Um, the State Department memos, there's still some argument over that. And yet, at this trial, although they had every opportunity to do it, the prosecution, the United States government, could not prove, the United States Army could not prove in any way, with any witness or any evidence, that any document that Bradley Manning released did anybody any real harm. Nothing. They could not prove it. And yet, uh, and and they couldn't really prove uh, to anybody's satisfaction, except, I guess, the judge, uh, that he intended deliberately to aid the enemy. That Bradley Manning did not intend to aid the enemy. If he had any intention at all in the midst of his great confusion and psychological disturbances, which he obviously had at the time, if I'm sure that his mind has cleared up a lot since he's been locked up. It will tend to do that, and I know what I'm talking about. Uh, it focuses you. It definitely focuses you. And uh, extraneous things and confusion seem to fall away once you're locked up. Things become very clear in certain ways. Anyhow, at the time, he was clearly confused. He was disturbed. And he was legitimately enraged and uh, disappointed in the behavior or at the behavior of the American Armed Forces uh, where, he was, uh, you know, an act, where, where he was an active part of their operations in Iraq. And he revealed what he thought... Uh, was something that was a crime, which it was, and um, he wanted to uh, to the public to see this, and he just released all these documents. But nothing has ever been proved, though they had many, many, many months of opportunities to do it, that anything he did harmed anybody, and yet he still gets thirty five years. Right? Obviously, what's happening, although none of this was proved. Yeah, he stole government documents. That's true, and he pled guilty to that. That's what he pled guilty to. He, that he stole government documents. He did. You can't deny it, so he pled guilty to that. He could have got something like 10 to 20 years or whatever, or 5 to 15 years. I forget what it was. But they convicted him of this. Clearly, they're making a point. They're making a point that uh, to everybody, whoever, any soldier or any government employee, whoever wants to leak a document again, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to go to jail forever if we can do it. And uh, the judge actually... In putting the man in jail for 35 years was sending a bit of a message herself. She could have put him in jail for 90 years, but some people said, oh, well, she'll, she won't do that. Well, she didn't, of course, uh, but she put him in jail for 35 years. That was, according to a lot of people who argue these cases in federal court, and I have some lawyers who, who argue cases in federal court, um, they got a third of the possible sentence. That is considered not so bad. Also, he can uh, be eligible for parole, apparently, after time served, because he's been locked up for years already, right? Some of it uh, torture and in isolation where he didn't belong. Um, he, something, it's something like 31 years. In any case, 
Bradley Manning can get out on parole after something like, I forget what it is, eight or nine years, something like that. And um, immediately there are appeals to the president of the United States uh, to pardon him. There are, if you go to a place called Fire Dog Lake, Fire Dog Lake, it's a website, they're the ones who have been following Bradley Manning's trial. They assigned a reporter there, and they've been the most consistent and the most um, in-depth reporting on the whole trial and the whole background of Bradley Manning. You go to Fire Dog Lake, you will find a petition that you can sign uh, to uh, for the President of the United States to pardon him. Now, automatically what happens in this case is that it goes, uh, there's an immediate appeal for clemency in the military court. I don't know who is in charge of this, whoever's in charge of whatever, the, his, uh, the base where he's going to be uh, imprisoned or whoever's in charge of, uh, of this uh, part of the army that he's in can grant him clemency and can, can, can greatly reduce his sentence. So immediately that's, that's happening. Then the lawyers, if they want, can appeal to the Supreme Court directly. They can go right over the heads of the military. Nobody thinks that's going to happen. But he could get clemency and have his sentence greatly reduced immediately. It's an automatic appeal in the military authorities. Uh, the president could pardon him if the president wanted to pardon him, right? Now, uh, so far, you don't see this happening. The president has already decided he was guilty before he went to trial. So, it's, of course, it's an illegal trial to begin with. Now, uh, the people, by the way, the, uh, the uh, psychopathic murderers who were in this uh, attack helicopter, either a Black Hawk or an Apache attack helicopter, that, um, that killed these innocent people in Iraq, for which there is audio and video. Can we kill them now? Can we kill them? Oh, can we kill them? Just watch this video. Check it out, right? They never were even arrested, let alone prosecuted, for murder. Um, and um, they got away with it. Dick Cheney got away with mass murder. Um, Condoleezza Rice got away with mass murder. All these people got away with mass murder, uh, perpetrating on lies a war against a country which was not any danger to the United States or anybody even around them. A country that had already been bombed for something like, I don't know what, something like uh, 12 years or something or, or 11 years straight through, uh, you know, um, straight through Clinton's uh, administration right up until uh, Bush was elected. This country had been bombed relentlessly in the no-fly zone after the first Iraq war in 1991. Constant bombing. The CIA would locate targets that they said were there, stockpiling weapons and arms and ammunition. Basically, what they did was terror bombing. Terror bombing. Much, much worse, actually, than what happened in 9-11. Real terrorism came from the United States. All through the Clinton years, they bombed, they bombed a milk factory, a milk processing factory in the middle of Iraq. They bombed power grids in the middle of Iraq. For what? To terrify all the people there in some vain, stupid, arrogant hope that those people were going to rise up against this dictator and his army. Or that what? He was going to say, you know, I did everything wrong. I feel bad. I shouldn't be a dictator. I'm going to go play miniature golf and turn the country over to the democratically elected government uh, of Iraq. Yeah, this, why were they bombing this place? Relentlessly. They bombed a milk plant, a milk processing plant. Children were on the verge of starvation. Children were known to have died because they bombed this place. They bombed power grids, put the power out in the middle of Iraq, in the middle of Baghdad. Why would they do a thing like this? This went on for years and years and years and years. This country was weakened to the point of, uh, of poverty and starvation. And then Cheney and his gang of uh, murderers and thieves, they decide 
that the United States is being threatened by these people and this country has to go to war. Uh, taking troops away from about two miles away from where they had tracked down Osama bin Laden and could easily have killed him at the time. They took, just took all the force and all the, all the money out of there and stuck it in Iraq. All these people. Uh, the President of the United States, Barack Obama, who decided Bradley Manning and let the whole world know that the guy was guilty before he was even on trial, um, every Tuesday meets with the head of the, um, of the CIA to plan who to kill in foreign countries illegally with the United States drone missiles. Frequently, or not infrequently, let me put it that way, not infrequently, these drone attacks kill people who are teenagers, children, people who are out gathering wood, families that are taking a walk through a marketplace. Uh, they see um, a bunch of cars traveling in one place or parked together. They'll, still, they'll stick a missile in the middle of it and blow everybody to pieces so that they can't even identify the bodies, then find out that it was a gathering of tribal elders or a wedding party or a funeral party or blow up a building where they see a terrorist enter without thinking who else might be in it. Every Tuesday, the President of the United States illegally, premeditatedly plans murders all over the world. He's a murderer, a premeditated murderer. Any way you look at it, in any kind of law you would care to use. But this guy, Bradley Manning, gets sentenced to 35 years in prison. Um, this is the United States today. In 1968, in 1968, um, something happened, which a lot of people, since they don't teach history in schools, uh, don't know anymore. But most of the people listening to me will know about this. But if you were... Born in the 70s or 80s, or perhaps even in the uh, 90s, and you happen to be listening to this. Uh, in 1968, a lieutenant in the United States Army named William Calley led a platoon of men into a village called My Lai. It's pronounced My Lai or My Lai, uh, or Song Mai if you're Vietnamese. A village off in the boondocks in Vietnam and uh, in the middle of the Vietnam War. Uh, he said that he was told by his captain, a man named Ernest Medina, that the village was full of Viet Cong and Viet Cong sympathizers, that, that they were the enemy and they should, uh, and if he encountered anybody in that village, he should kill them. This is what Callie said. Later on, uh, after what happened, um, this was, uh, this was not proven. But in 1968, on March 16th in 1968, um, uh, Callie, uh, let's see, uh, who, who was the head of a platoon, a lieutenant, uh, led his troops into this village and uh, killed 500 people. Lieutenant Callie and his troops murdered in cold blood 500 people, all of them, old men, women, children, and babies. They shot them to death. They launched grenades at them. They herded them into a kind of a depression in the ground, like a pit, and they murdered every last one of them. They rounded them up, and they murdered every last one of them. Um, let's see if I can uh, tell you more about this. Uh, so this is what Callie did. Uh, they killed everybody. He, uh, it was mass murder. Everybody in this platoon, well, I don't know if everybody shot, but most of the men in this platoon shot into this, into this area where they herded the entire village. Nobody there had been identified as Viet Cong. They didn't ask him any questions. They herded them all together, and they killed every last one of them. Callie himself personally opened fire first and uh, shot something like 100 people later on. He kept putting clips in his rifle. Um, 
Callie was charged on September 5th, 1979. This is um, about a year and a half after the event with six specifications of premeditated murder for the deaths of 104 Vietnamese civilians, uh, 500 men, women and children, mostly women and children, infants and the elderly had been systematically killed by them, uh, by him and his platoon in a bloody rampage on March 16th, 1968. Uh, upon conviction in a military court, Callie could have faced the death sentence. And now here, I'll take a little slight deviation. Some people absolutely are adamantly opposed to capital punishment. I have to say I am not absolutely adamantly opposed to it. I believe that there are some cases in which death uh, by uh, execution, maybe even public execution, is justified, and this is one of them. Anyhow, Callie could have faced the death penalty. Um, and let's see. Callie's trial started on November 17, 1970. This was all over the newspapers, by the way, back then. Uh, and one of the reasons it was all over the newspapers is because Callie was a symbol of uh, the vast and relentless American mass murder in Vietnam. In other words, and now we have more and more documents revealing this all the time, that at that time, Callie was, of course, an extreme example, but routinely, almost every day, American Marines and soldiers, uh, Army soldiers and Air Force, uh, members of the Air Force, routinely murdered and raped and burned down villages in that country. They killed a million people. Um, probably 950,000 of them were not uh, the enemy or the Viet Cong. Constant rapes, burning down whole villages, burning down sections of cities, um, shooting for no good reason into buildings and murdering people, and just plain executing people all over the place. So this is typical of the behavior there, only it was obviously an extreme example. Uh, Callie's trial started on November 17, 1970, and it was uh, the military's prosecution. It was the military prosecution's contention that Callie, in defiance of the rules of engagement, ordered his men to deliberately murder unarmed civilians, et cetera, et cetera, to kill everybody in the village. Uh, let's see. Um, one of the soldiers, Paul Meadlow, in his platoon, Callie's platoon, described that during the day's events, he was staring. He was standing guard over a few dozen My Lai villagers when Lieutenant Callie approached him and ordered him to shoot all the civilians. When Meadlow balked at the orders, Callie backed off 20 feet or more and opened fire on the people himself, and then Meadlow joined in. Another witness named Dennis Conti, who was also reluctant to testify, <clears throat> finally described the carnage, claiming that Callie had started it and the rest of the 105 soldiers of Charlie Company followed suit. And uh, another witness named Leonard Gonzalez told of seeing one of the soldiers in Callie's unit herd some men and women villagers together and ordered them to strip off their clothing. When the villagers refused, the enraged soldier fired a single round from his M79 grenade launcher into the crowd, killing everyone. Callie's original defense that the death of the villagers was a result of an accidental helicopter or aerial strike was quashed by the few prosecution witnesses. Of course, he lied to get out of it, being a sniffing little coward murderer that he was. Uh, after that, he, uh, you know, he said that he was ordered to do it by his captain, and nobody was able to prove that. Uh, he said, this is what he says, Callie said, I was ordered to go in there and destroy the enemy. That was my job that day. That was the mission I was given. I did not sit down and think in terms of men, women, and children. Let me repeat that. He did not sit down and think in terms of men, women, and children. They were all classified as the same. And that's the classification that we dealt with over there, just as the enemy. I felt then, and I still do, 
that I acted as I was directed and I carried out the order that I was given and I do not feel wrong in doing so. This is exactly what thousands, tens of thousands of German soldiers and other um, you know, bureaucrats over in Germany said, I was ordered to do it. This is what the Nazis said in World War II, almost word for word that Lieutenant Callie said. The prisoners, uh, the people who had, es- you know, those who had escaped, the prisoners, I was ordered to kill them. The gassings were, th- I was forced to do this. I was forced to turn on the gas. I was forced to burn them in an oven. I was forced to shoot all the prisoners in the back of the head. I was ordered to do it. They were the enemy. I did it. Callie is, and what would have been, the perfect Nazi. After delivering, uh, deliberating for 79 hours, why I don't know, the six-officer jury, five of whom had served in Vietnam, convicted him on March 29, 1971, of the premeditated murder of 22 Vietnamese civilians. Uh, he was sentenced to life imprisonment and hard labor. Now, remember, he could have got the death penalty, but they, took a, they gave him a break. Now, this is a guy whose uh, who's reports on his service before he led his platoon into that area uh, the whole time he was a lieutenant, he got frequent reports that the men uh, thought he was incompetent. He would lead them into uh, places where they, they, he would get lost. A lot of the men considered assassin his own troops considered assassinating him because they thought he was so dangerous and incompetent, right? He got poor grades all the time as, a, as an officer. This guy who could have gotten um, the death sentence, he did not get the death sentence. He was sentenced to hard labor for life at Fort Leavenworth and um, in maximum security. Uh, of the 26 officers and soldiers initially charged for their part in the My Lai Massacre or a subsequent cover-up, only Callie was convicted. So that several other men there who murdered many, many innocent people, including babies, uh, were never um, convicted uh, of anything. Callie was convicted. And um, let's see. And listen to this. Many in America were outraged by Callie's sentence. Georgia's governor, Jimmy Carter instituted American Fighting Man's Day. Does that sound familiar? The same kind of military bullshit we hear all the time now? And asked Georgians to drive for a week with their lights on. Indiana's governor asked that all state flags to be flown at half-staff for Cali. And Utah and Mississippi's governors also disagreed with the verdict. Um, The Arkansas, Kansas, Texas, New Jersey, and South Carolina legislatures requested clemency for Cali. And Alabama's Governor George Wallace visited Cali in the stockade and requested Nixon pardon him. Uh, let's see. After the conviction, the White House received over 5,000 telegrams. The ratio was 100 to 1 in favor of leniency. You tell me why. I don't know. In a telephone survey of the American public, 79% disagreed with the verdict. 81% believed that the life sentence Cali had received was too stern. And 69% believed Cali had been made a scapegoat. Um, let's see. Listen to this now. On April 1st, 1971, only a day after Cali was sentenced, U.S. President Richard Nixon ordered him transferred from Leavenworth Prison to house arrest at Fort Benning, Georgia, pending his appeal. He took him out of a prison cell the day after he was convicted of mass murder of helpless people and put him under and put him in a house, took him out of a cell and put him in a house, house arrest. Uh, the Secretary of Defense at the time, Melvin Laird, vehemently um, protested against this lenient behavior. Um, later on, in a separate clemency action, the general of Fort Benning, on his own authority, reduced Cali's sentence to 20 years from life imprisonment, right? 
Ultimately, Callie served only three and a half years of house arrest at his quarters at Fort Benning, Georgia. And then later on, not too much later on, the president of the United States, that says here, tacitly pardoned him. In other words, they let the man go free after three years of living in a house rather than even a cell after what he did. And what he did was merely representative of what the United States had done for many, many years in this place. At the same time that Callie was doing this, the uh, the the head of the uh, National Security uh, Agency, the National Security Advisor, rather, to President Nixon, Henry Kissinger, who, by the way, is wanted for murder in several countries, including one of them in Europe. I think it's Germany. At the same time Callie was doing this, Henry Kissinger gave the green light to an operation that went on for 14 months in the middle of uh, of the Vietnam War. Uh, North Vietnamese soldiers were uh, stepping outside of North Vietnam and going into Cambodia, setting up camps, and then using a trail from Cambodia to infiltrate into South Vietnam. And um, uh, it was hurting the war effort. You know, we shouldn't have been there in the first place either. That was another immoral, vicious colonial war where we killed millions of people and deforested uh, millions of acres of jungle and forest and, uh, and uh, swampland. Uh, so and and to this day, the people in our country are born to this day after generations, people are born with birth defects uh, because of all the Agent Orange that was used over there. And the soldiers who came back from there, thousands, tens of thousands of them were so mentally damaged, they can never live decent lives again all over there for no reason whatsoever, for no good reason, except to promote the arrogance, power and supremacy of the United States. Just pure bullying and insanity. So in the midst of this, while Callie is murdering innocent people in the village, um, his uber symbol, you know, in the White House, uh, Henry Kissinger, uh, gives the go-ahead and helps plan and gives the go-ahead to a plan to carpet bomb with B-52 bombers, dropping tons of bombs out of each plane. Fourteen straight months, they bombed the jungles and uh, hamlets and villages in Cambodia where they assumed or had intelligence that um, Viet, uh, that North Vietnamese soldiers were having base camps and using paths to get into South Vietnam. Fourteen straight months they did this. They dropped bombs from 20,000 feet, 30,000 feet. They carpet bombed the whole place. They killed as many as two, three hundred, four hundred thousand 400,000 Cambodians. Uh, these are people who had uh, basically got up in the morning uh, had water buffaloes, went out in the fields and uh, planted and raised and ate rice. And that's all they ever did. Henry Kissinger is personally responsible, more than anybody else, for the murder of hundreds of thousands of innocent Cambodian men, women, children, and babies. Henry Kissinger never was indicted for anything. He never went to jail. He never served a day in his life. And on top of that, while he was bombing this place... He never told Congress he was doing it. It was an illegal war, bombing another country where we weren't even at war with them, and killing hundreds of thousands of innocent people. You have a mother? You listen to me now. You have children? Do you have children? Are you married? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have friends? What if all of a sudden the entire city, the entire state where you lived was covered with massive high explosives over almost every single day for 14 straight months, everybody you knew was blown to pieces and killed. Entire states, villages, cities blown to bits. Every animal you owned, if you're a farmer, blown to pieces. Everything destroyed. Your whole life ruined. 
Life is hell on earth because of this man who gave it the go-ahead and kept pushing for it all the time. Henry Kissinger, to this day, he's in his 80s now, uh, has tens of millions of dollars. He is sought out as a political advisor and as a policy advisor and as a tactical advisor, that is to say, uh, planning uh, corporate and military and police actions in various countries by governments, by the heads of corporations. He has a consulting firm, Kissinger and Associates, where he makes tens of millions of dollars a year. That's his reward for being a mass murderer. So Cali and his group murder 500 innocent people, cold-blooded murder. He stays in, uh, in a house arrest for three years, and then he's pardoned by the president. And Kissinger, who was the greatest mass murderer in American history, probably, um, never was indicted or served a day in his life. But this kid, Bradley Manning, because he was enraged that he was being dragged into something where, where innocent people were being murdered in a war which is a completely illegal war, who released documents to the rest of the world where nobody apparently, despite the government's efforts, has been proved to have been harmed at all by what he did. He's going to go to jail for 35 years. And this is supposed to be a nation of laws? This is a democracy? Is this supposed to be justice? <sighs> I mean, I don't know. And... I don't even know what to say to do about this. You know, we're not going to have a revolution in this country. We're not going to take the government back from these from these murderers. Now, this is a government, of course, that every single day is spying on every email. They're aware of every email you send to anybody. Uh, they're aware of every phone call you make. And, and by the way, listen, if you listen to one word they say about how they're not really they're doing, they're collecting metadata. They're, uh, they're not able to read these emails unless they have a special permit or a grant, blah, 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 blah. Anybody who believes a word that Obama or James Clapper, head of the national security, whatever it is, they have 15 different alphabet soup you know, agencies, all of which are made to make more money and steal more money from American taxpayers. You believe one word that the government is saying, I would be, it would be difficult for me to continue being a friend of yours. <laughs> My, if I had any respect for you, it would what I would call plummet. Who, in their right mind, over the age of six years old, believes a word that the government says anymore about anything? They lie every time. You know how there's somebody said, you know how you can tell if the president is lying? His mouth is moving. This son of a bitch, this murdering son of a bitch, this guy who illegally convicts this uh, uh, Bradley Manning before he's even put on trial. This man who has no disregard for international or national law, who permits the National Security Agency, who heartily and happily permits and um, facilitates the National Security Agency in tapping the phones and gathering the emails and spying on all of the United States, every citizen, every person in the United States. This man who thinks the Constitution is toilet paper instead of the document, founding document of the United States government, this man... Um, is explaining to you, he's going to explain to you why it is that this happens or that happens, or he's going to make an excuse to tell you, no, then we're not doing this, we're not doing that. Uh, last year, 94 million documents in the United States government, just last year alone, were classified as secret, or classified, or secret, or top secret. Classified documents, 94 million of them. Every time somebody even writes a memo to buy new pencils at the State Department, they classify it. And the United States government, either directly or from subcontractors, has close to 3 million people 
employed one way or another, part-time or full-time, involved in the CIA, the NSA, uh, or the Defense Intelligence Agency, or whatever it was, the U.S. Army, uh, in spying on its own citizens. Millions of people have security clearances to tap phones and to, uh, to keep logs of emails, probably to read emails. They know where you are every minute because of your cell phones, you might say. What is the price when you pay when you have technology? The government actually made this argument in court, in federal court. One of its arguments in one of these cases where somebody accused them of violating, um, you know, the Fourth Amendment, invasion of privacy. Uh, they said that, uh, and, you know, it says in the, for- it says in the Constitution, uh, in the Fourth Amendment, that people have a reasonable expect- expectation, a reasonable expectation of privacy, right, uh, in, uh, in their own homes. Okay. Uh, now, what the government is arguing is this. Since people walk around with mobile devices outside their homes or because people send things out of their houses, you know, with an email through a cable or through a router or something like that, that they're, they're not entitled to privacy anymore. They have no reasonable expectation of privacy anymore. So that's what the government under Barack Obama believes. That you not you you have no right to think anymore that you have any privacy. Not only are they spying on you without your knowledge, using your tax money and making corporations rich, who are doing this spying for them as subcontractors, and God knows who's getting what kickbacks from who. Right? Not only are they making corporations rich on spying on you, violating the Constitution, lying to Congress, lying to everyone. Not only that, now they're telling you that you shouldn't even expect to have any privacy. So why not? There was this movie, A Night at the Opera. Did you ever see A Night at the Opera? It's an old Marx Brothers movie, one of their best ones, maybe their best movie, right? And um, they're making one of these guys, Chico, is making a contract with uh, Groucho. Chico's the business manager of some uh, opera singer, or else he's pretending to be anyhow. And Groucho wants to get this opera singer for the uh, for this opera, whatever it is, for this opera house. And uh, they make a contract. So they're each standing there with a copy of the contract, right? And um, they're reading it. The party, the first part, you know, they're going through all this, you know, the typical vaudeville, this nasty, satirical, right-on stuff that the Marx Brothers did, right? So they can't agree on a clause, so they both rip it out at the same time. Nah, that's no good, boss. So they rip it apart. And then uh, another, the party of the second part agrees, do you like that? No, I don't like that either. So they both rip that one out, right? And finally, um, <laughs> finally, like in every contract that they used to make in those days, there's something called a sanity clause, a sanity clause, right? The sanity clause was, uh, you know, that, that uh, it's presumed that the people signing this contract are sane in their right minds because if they're not, the, ca- the contract to be canceled, right? So uh, Chico says, what's this, boss? He says, uh, oh, that's, uh, that's uh, in every contract. It's the uh, sanity clause. He says, ah, come on, boss. Everybody knows there's no sanity clause. <laughs> Right? So they ripped that out. In the end, there's no contract at all. Think of the American government, especially with this Bradley Manning, and spying on all of us, and it's getting worse all the time, and lying about the Iraq war, and invading places, and using the CIA to torture people. Think of the American government and all the things they're doing internally and externally in the same, in the same way. Think of the ten, uh, the, the ten Amendments, the Bill of Rights, the first ten Amendments of the Constitution. Little by little by little, one after another, they all get together in their little protected rooms, you know, and they rip each amendment away, one after another. And the last one to go will be free speech, and it's well on its way to be going because the two are related. When you spy on people, 
when you let everybody know that everything they say is going to be a matter of record and you could be prosecuted for it and thrown into a prison without any rights whatsoever and tortured and sentenced to 35 years in jail, then you might not say anything. And that abridges your right to free speech. So little by little, they are ripping apart the Constitution, throwing it on the floor, and establishing a police state. This is what this is. You want to get a petition, sign a petition to the president to pardon Bradley Manning. Since Nixon could pardon this mass murderer, Cali, then this president could pardon Bradley Manning. Go to Fire Dog Lake. Uh, I think it's .com or .org. Fire Dog Lake, and you can sign a petition. And uh, so this is not over yet. I mean, we can't. We could all just give up. We could all go watch. Uh, you know, we could all go watch TV forever, or we could uh, eat barbecue chips, or we could let them do anything they want, right? And just roll over like little poodles and let them scratch our stomachs once in a while. Vote every four years for whoever they tell us to vote for, whichever corporate candidate they got up in front of us, and then go about our business. Or we could fight to get our country back. All right, that's it for today. We'll be back next week. I went walking, living in a high 